Hello and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy preaches a sermon titled, You Belong, from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 13. You've been brought near to Jesus for resurrection, not renovation. He raised us from death and seated us by his throne, rebuilding us with purpose. Yet often, we prefer self-condemnation and withhold mercy from ourselves and others. We hesitate to give love and grace, keeping God at a distance until crisis arises. Our deepest struggle lies within as we neglect what God generously offers. Let go, for we belong to Jesus. Let his love fill us like sponges so that it can overflow daily. Will you choose this path of abundant love and grace? Buenos dias, la iglesia de Little Community Church. Hi guys, welcome everybody. So good to have you. Seriously, whoever sinned and made it hot, stop it. This is crazy. This is nuts. By the way, weather does not work that way, nor does God. We'll talk about that today a lot. Um, if you are new or visiting with us, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Uh, we believe three things as a church. This comes from Isaiah 61. Um, number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. No matter how blind, broken, lost, in chains, bound up we are, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon our Savior Jesus, and He's the one who set us free, and He keeps on setting us free. Amen? Amen. Second, we get to trust in our risen Savior. This is later in Isaiah 61. It says that the roots of our faith will grow so deep that we will be strong like oaks of righteousness, able to withstand all that life throws at us. And that's exactly what happens. We learn how to trust Jesus together. Jesus is not an idea. He's not like the force, right? He's a person. And we're going to learn how to trust him and connect with him and grow close to him. And that's what the book of Ephesians is all about. I love this book. Finally, we get to bring restoration to our city, in our community, in our world. And you all, in your faithful giving, sent Paul and Kathy and Beth and uh, Don Ann over to Turkey. And you keep on doing that in a million different ways. Next week, we're going to hear about your change for a dollar stories, literal miracles taking place. I mean, it's crazy. We had people pray in the Alpha weekend this last weekend. People were physically healed, set free, filled with the Holy Spirit. People are giving their lives to Jesus left and right. What in the world is happening? It's almost like God's here, right? Because he is. Amen? Each one of these truths is happening all the time. They don't happen like once you get this perfect, then once you get hope perfect, then you can trust Jesus, and then finally it can be used. No, 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 no. You can, you, we do it all at once, right? Uh, and so we need you. And so each one of these Truths has a choice that we get to make every single day. So would you choose this with me today? Would you declare this out loud? Are you ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So can I speak to your heart of hearts? You sure? You all right with this? Okay, because today is going to be wild. Uh, thank you to Kurt last week who preached an epic sermon. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3, everything is built on the foundation that happens in Ephesians 1. And those first 10 verses in Ephesians 2 is like, 
It's like this anchor. It's like this bedrock. It keeps on going back and back. If the footings of the building are deep in Ephesians 1, the foundation on the surface is Ephesians 2. So we're going to keep on coming back to Ephesians 2 again and again and again in the series. And uh, well, I won't preach the whole sermon, the whole passage every single time, but I'm going to refer back to it because I want this to be in your bones. I want you to know this, not just in your brain, but down deep into your soul. So it, let me catch you up. Uh, quickly on uh, on what on what has happened. I'm going to do a brief intro this morning, uh, in case you missed last week, and we'll do it again next week, and probably the week after as well, just because this is so important for you to understand. So can we pray real quick? Okay. So Jesus, protect us, fill us now with your Spirit, Lord. We say yes to you. We say to our own hearts, awaken, O oh my soul, and all that it is within me. Lord, we love you, and we're asking you to be here and reveal yourself to us and change us and revive us and resurrect us. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay, so Paul is writing a letter to a church in Ephesus, which is in Turkey, that... If Paul and Kathy were on the eastern side of Turkey, which is Antioch, on the far west coast of Turkey, so Antioch would be like, what would it be like? New York, right? And Ephesus would be like L.A. in the country of Turkey. You picking up what I'm putting down? Okay. So in this little church in Ephesus is, in this major metropolitan city, there are uh, Romans and who have never heard of God before, never heard of Jesus before, they give their life when they see the amazing miracles happening before them and they hear the good news of what Jesus has done for them. Then there's the ethnic Jewish community that has already been in Antioch for hundreds of years and they hear about the Messiah, Jesus, and they give their lives to God. And so you can't have any more two different cultural groups in one, in one little church. And that's just like us which is great. Uh, So that's who Paul is speaking to. So Paul writes this after Ephesians 1. As for you all, and that's an all y'all, read with me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. And for Jews and Gentiles alike, they would have been totally offended by this, but also united. In Ephesians chapter 1, they're united in reality that they're all adopted by God. Now they're united in the reality that we all have the same experience of being broken human beings. Kurt did an amazing job last week talking about what transgression is. And he talked about how that's the word to trespass. And when we trespass into the land of sin, right, God's not the one who harms us or hurts us. It's sin itself. Does that make sense? So we make a horrible mistake in our relationships when we make people the problem rather than problems the problem. And Kurt did a beautiful job of showing how how what God does is he doesn't make you the problem, he makes what's killing you the problem. Does that make sense? When we trespass into the land of death, God doesn't want us to be harmed. 
And so he's got to deal with the death that's in us. I heard once the story of a little boy, his younger sister was going in for surgery. The brother and sister shared a, a rare blood type. And so as a sister was prepping for surgery, she's five, younger brother who's seven has to donate blood. And so he asked the doctor, will it hurt? And the doctor said, well, yeah, a little, you know, like the needle's going to go in and your arm's going to feel kind of cold and it'll sting, you know. And the little boy sat and thought for a moment and then he teared up a little bit and his mom comforted him. It's like, it's okay. And then this little boy said this with tears in his eyes. Okay, do it. Next slide. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. I preached, I'm, I printed my sermon on double-sided. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is going to be a long morning. Okay. Okay. Dang it. This, that was a really good story, but hold on just for a moment. Okay. Ephesians 2, 3. So here's the, here's the problem is, you ready? We trespass in the land of sin. All of us, read this with me. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires by thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature, by nature deserving of wrath. Ah, wrath. <laughs> wrath. What is that? So fantastic what Kurt brought up last week. The wrath of God... Romans 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, 24, 26, and 28 is this. God's wrath is God handing us over exactly what we want. Look, God is opposed to death. God is always opposed to death and sickness and sin and destruction and evil, okay? Always. He hates the things that kills the people he loves. Yeah? And if you want what will kill you, God will allow you to choose that. He will not take away your free will. If you want to drop an anvil on your foot, God will allow you. He won't punish you on top of that. An anvil on your foot is enough. Does that make sense? Okay. If I insist on eating from the dumpster of death, despite all God's warning signs, yeah? All the people that he says don't eat from that dumpster, all the smells coming from the dumpster, all the people around the dumpster sick to their stomach vomiting, if we still want to eat that, God will go, okay, go ahead. That's wrath. So what happens? I eat death, and then I die. Yeah? That's why I deserve my wrath. If I choose it and I ingest it, then I get its consequences. It's real straightforward. Jesus doesn't punish us or condemn us. In fact, what does he do? While we're sitting there, Lying there, dead, what does Jesus do? He runs towards us, and then he dies in our place and gives us his life. God's wrath is to let us choose death 
And then God's love is to rescue us from that death by dying in our place. So there's no such thing as an angry God who's really, really mad at you and going to crush you under his thumb because he's so disappointed in you. Wrong. If you want to die, go ahead. And what is God's absolute response to you? Because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, he will make you alive. So there's this little boy. I heard a story. <laughs> he's sitting there on the operating table. Well, he's not sitting in the operating table. He's just ready to give blood. And he says this. He says this. Ready? He says this. Okay, do it. You can have all my blood for my sister. Please give her my toys as well. Mommy and Daddy, thank you for being great parents, and I will wait for you in heaven until you get there. Little boy, seven years old, didn't think that he was donating a little bit of a blood. He thought he was donating all of it. And in that little room there, he said, okay, I'll do it. Now, he was much relieved to find out that he would live. Where does that courage come from, though? It comes from Jesus himself. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Read with me loudly with some pepper on it. Come on, y'all. But, no, no, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Come on now. We're all nature. We're all like deserving of wrath. We've all been handed over to exactly what we want. We chose death. We ate death. We digested death. We're dead. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. Now read the greatest but in all of the New Testament. Are you ready? Yeah. And make it a big but. Are you ready? Yeah. Loudly now. Come on. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been, been saved. Oh, amen. Amen. Mercy, therefore, isn't us groveling and feeling really terrible about yourself. Or in my family, we had to apologize 75 times and make sure that we spent enough time in the doghouse with the person that we hurt so that they really, really knew that we were sorry. God does not work like that dysfunctional hot mess that I grew up in and then lived in in my marriage. Wrong. We're coming out of that now. Why? Because that's not mercy. That's all that is, is shame and guilt because we made a mountain of mistakes. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh, we did. We're all dead, yeah? All in the same boat, all of us. We all have the same common story. Knuckleheads. Right? If you are perfect, let us know. We'll make a billion dollars writing that book, figuring out how you don't have no sin in your life. What's the truth? You and I are chosen. You and I have a destiny, a, pre, a destiny that's been pre-set for us, a destination that's been already obtained for us. We, we, have, we have love now and for all eternity, forgiveness now and all eternity, a home now and all. We have belonging and identity now for all eternity. So what does Paul mean when he says, by grace you've been saved? He's going to Explain this next. It's mind-blowing. Are you ready? And God raised... Next slide. And God... Oh, wait. 
Yeah, yeah, it's probably good. Oh, I got that second page again. Dang it. This is going to be a long morning, y'all. Okay, I'm going to do it this way. How, how do I do this? Oh, this is terrible. Joe, I do not like your presets on your computer. Mercy never create. Read this with me. Mercy never creates shame or feeling terrible about yourself. Really big thing. Mercy creates an overflowing spring of hope and love in your chest that brings tears of gratitude because you know you deserve nothing but are now given everything only because of Jesus' death on the cross for you. I'm, I'm preaching to my own heart here. Look, I desperately need mercy. I want mercy, but I don't want to give mercy. I say things like this, oh, it's too good to be true. But that's just me not receiving it. He chooses me, all battered, bruised, broken, ragtag, bobtailed, rebellious, sinful. He chooses me when I'm broken and when I'm dead. He chooses me when I have nothing to offer and nothing to give. He chooses me when I'm in full tilt rebellion. He chooses me when I know all the right answers and I still choose my own way. He chooses me and there in my death, he says, you're mine. And he says the same thing to you. That's mercy. That's mercy. Now, what does it mean to be saved by grace? Mercy's part of it, but that's just the first half. This is nuts. Are you kidding me? It gets better than that? That we're chosen when we're dead and now we're made alive and that's not only, it, like it doesn't stop there, there's more good news? Are you ready? Here it is. Verse six, and God, read with me, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Kurt did a beautiful job like this talking last week about how now we're like in Christ. And where's Christ seated? In heaven on the throne. You're on, you're on God's lap in the throne. On the throne. The right hand of God the Father. That's where you are right now. Everybody look at Zed and baby December in the back. Zed, come out. Come out. Come out. In the, okay. Okay, if Zed is Jesus, you're where his daughter is. Does that make sense? We all know Zed's not Jesus. That's where you are right now, right now. You don't have to do something in order to get there. You're there now, right now. I cannot earn God's love. It's poured out upon me because God chooses me. He wants me. I belong to God. I cannot earn God's favor. It's poured out on me because he's already favored me. He wants me. I belong to God. I cannot diminish God's love and care for me or his good plan for me or derail his destiny that's already been predestined for me because I mess up one more time. No, wrong. I'm this big. God is God. I belong now. God's ability to fix my mess is infinitely greater than my ability to mess things up. 
Yeah? God never lets me go. God always has me. God is always kind to me. God doesn't switch between grace and fury. He doesn't do that. It's grace all the time. As one pastor put it, grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you that has nothing to do with you. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. Have you noticed that I keep on repeating and repeating and repeating what grace is? Why do I do this? I do this because this is what Paul do in passage. You see? He repeat, I repeat. You see what I do there? Called technique. Okay? Verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved. Hey, just a reminder, through faith, this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, just a reminder, not by works, so that no one can boast. Man. And then, and then Kurt did such an incredible job talking about how we are God's workmanship, his poema, his beauty, and we're designed to put the world back together again. That's Ephesians 2. We're going to keep on going back to this over and over and over again, but that's a sufficient recap. And we're going to do all of two verses today. Okay? Now we're at verse 11. You ready? Therefore. Okay, so now you know what the therefore is there for. Because of all of this truth, okay, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, anybody here a Gentile by birth? Everybody raise your hand right now. Okay, that's what we all have in common. Ready? If anybody a Gentile by birth? Seriously, is anybody here ethnically Jewish and grew up Jewish? Two people, three people. Okay, you are not Gentiles, the rest of us are. We're the redheaded stepchildren that have been adopted and grafted into the family. That's us. We were called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Here is a demonstration. Um, Verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. We didn't grow up with faith. We didn't grow up with hope. We didn't grow up in a family where their traditions and their elders and their wisdom was seeped in God. That's what Paul says to the Gentiles in the church in Ephesus. Some of you have long histories of faith. You have faith going back generations in your family. Praise God. I don't. My mom is the first. She was the first. We go to family reunions. It's a hot mess. It's crazy. And slowly, God has redeemed almost my entire family. But this was us. And we didn't have any markings or traditions or like the right tattoos or nothing that said that we belonged to God. 
nothing. In other words, all of us, except the three of you who have Jewish background, we lived on the other side of the border wall. Our language was different. Our citizenship was different. We had no legal right to be in the promised land at all. What's God's response to all of us illegal aliens? Verse 13. Read this with me. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far, once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's good. You belong. You've been brought near to Jesus. Not like near like 20 feet away, near like right next to touching, sitting close, right? Near like arm around near, that kind of near. Why? For what purpose has Jesus drawn you near? So that he can raise you from death to life. Jesus isn't interested in improving your dead life to let you continue in it. Jesus is interested in rebuilding from the ground up. For in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Look, dead people don't need renovation. We need resurrection. Right? No one operates on a dead person to repair torn tendons. They're trying to raise them back to life. I know a guy who's trying to sold and sell an old warehouse. You know, had been abandoned for a couple of years, broken windows, nothing worked, water leakage, all kind of damage, roof cave, half caving in, and found a prospective buyer. The buyer comes in. The guy's the seller of the warehouse is like, "Hey, I'll fix all this before you know we close." And the buyer of the warehouse goes, oh, I don't care about like the building. I'm just going to tear it down and rebuild it. What I want is the land. You had no hope. We were lost, dead, gone. And what did Jesus do? He did not shame you for being dead. He did not condemn you for being dead. He did not get frustrated or mad at you because you were dead. He claimed you, chose you loved you, and brought you back to life in Christ. Amen? Amen? God right now is totally at peace with you. You belong to him. You're in his arms. Amen? Amen. So here's my issue. But if I think I know you well enough, it's all our issue. We don't want to live out of these truths of the gospel. Well, what do I mean? Well, I talked a little bit about this before. We would rather grovel before God and beat ourselves up than receive mercy. We would rather start our prayer life like, I'm so sorry I haven't talked to you in like the last five days or five weeks or five months. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so... Stop. Just talk to God. We would rather forth, force others to do the exact same thing before giving them mercy. Why do we do this? We would rather pretend that we're fine while we're dying in a pile on the inside than actually going to God or others for help and share what we're going through. We pretend like being dead and in desperate need doesn't apply to us anymore. No, no, I'm fine. I'm good. Anybody here sinless? 
Brianna sinless. Fantastic. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> we prefer to earn our standing in relationships and keep love at arm's length. When we hear about grace, we say, no, nah, I can't receive that. We prefer to make others earn their standing with us, and we dribble out love drop by drop as long as they stay in line. We regularly choose to keep ourselves far from God, even though he's brought us near. We go to him last. It's the last call. He's the last call, the last resort, the last strategy. And then we wonder why no one goes to church when we ourselves don't even go to God. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? I think I know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe not. Here's my thought. My deepest struggle is my relationship with myself. I rarely take the time to simply receive what God has so generously and lavishly given. And there's a reason why. Number one, some of us have grown up in amazing households, and you might not relate with this, but if you've ever grown up in a dysfunctional household, and especially a household that goes to church, you understand exactly what this is like. Churches all throughout human history, and especially our own lives, have seen the craziness of the world around us, and they've said, we can't make our kids go through that. We've got to make sure that they're better right now. And so what do churches do? They make up rules. Why? To prevent you from going to, into sin. And then what is it that you think about God? That he's mad at you if you break that rule. That he's angry with you if you break that rule. And so how do you treat yourself if you think that God is mad at you? Then you'll treat yourself like you think God will treat you. You'll handle it first. You'll beat yourself up first before you let God beat yourself up. Does that make sense? I, if you're over the age of 45, I need you to have a lot of compassion for those under the age of 45. Never in the history of the world has there been a ubiquitous 24-hour dopamine feedback loop that is attached to your very identity that if you are in high school or in your early 20s or in your 30s, you don't have a sense of who you are without this, okay? It used to be that 12-year-old girls never committed suicide, and I mean never. I mean like three in the United States a year, a year. Now it's 13% of suicides, why? because of this thing. Because if they don't get enough likes, it's not just a like, it's gotta be 100 likes, it's gotta be more than 100 the next time, it's gotta be the right amount of comments for their friends, and if they don't get that, they're not okay. This is the world that we live in. How can you, how can you ever talk about what's wrong in your life and say, I'm dying in a pile, if in every single area of your outward life you have to pretend and perform and say, I'm great, I'm fine, I'm wonderful. In fact, I'm more than wonderful, I'm perfect. How antithetical to the gospel is that? And so all, of, all people under the age of 45 will come to a horrific end at some point It'll be anxiety-risen. It'll be a nervous breakdown. It'll be, a, it'll be some point in their life where they will f literally fall apart. 
because they don't think that they're loved even though they're dead on the inside. And we all have that, that moment where we say, next slide, John, I've been ignoring my soul. My heart is screaming in pain. I'm not even listening to my own cry for help. And so this morning, you have a chance to receive mercy. I just love the places where God has made you alive. I can see it everywhere, everywhere. Like you guys, I'm so proud of you. The way that you give, the way that you love, the way that you pray, the way that you're inviting friends, the way that you're making a difference wherever you are, you are spectacular. Truly, truly, I, I love it. I love that Paul and Kathy have come back to tell us a good report, right? I thought I drove Paul away forever, <laughs> right? Wonderful. You guys are doing an amazing job. And I know that still there's part of your heart that is just dead and dying in a pile. And so I'm inviting you right now to close this time by receiving mercy. Would you like to do that? It goes like this. I choose to confess my pain and can, no, you don't have to, let me get, no, you don't have to repeat just cause out of obligation. There's no obligation. Let me tell you what you're getting into. I choose to confess my pain and confusion and rebellion and doubts remembering Jesus makes me alive and forgives my sin before the confession even makes a sound. We belong to Jesus. Jesus, I receive your mercy and love. If you want to pray that, pray that with me now. I choose to confess my pain and confusion and rebellion and doubts, remembering Jesus makes me alive and forgives my sins before the confession even makes a sound. We belong to Jesus. Jesus, I receive your mercy and love. Take a breath. Take a breath. Would you like to receive grace? Let me, let me show you what you're going to get into. I choose to be loved, to reach out when I'm in need, when I'm hurting, when I need help. I choose to reach out to offer when I see a need. Jesus, I receive your amazing grace. If you want to choose this, then say it with me. I choose to be loved, to reach out when I'm in need, when I'm hurting, when I need help. I choose to reach out to offer when I see a need. Jesus, I receive your amazing grace. Father, seal and bless that mercy and love and grace in the hearts of my friends here today. Worship team, you can come on up. And if you're uh, serving communion, come on up. Jesus, as we get ready to receive communion, we ask that you would fill us now with your spirit. Again, we just bind up and silence anything opposed to Christ that would be seeking to distract us or bother us during this time. God, I can't even comprehend your mercy and grace most days. But I know that the moment that I allow you to love me is the moment when my heart leaps with hope. And so, Jesus, as we receive this morning's communion, we're going to take that time to receive your love and trust you to do a resurrection work in us. Thank you that we're drawn near to you. Thank you that we belong to you. Thank you that once we were dead, 
And now, Lord Jesus, by your extravagant mercy and grace, we are alive. And all God's people said, how does God prove this to us? On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken, torn, shredded, bruised, battered for you. By your stripes, he's been healed. You are healed. By his stripes, you're healed. By his blood shed, you've been forgiven. The same thing, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, which is now in my blood. The covenant that God made to Israel is that I will redeem you with an outstretched hand of mighty judgment. All the judgment that you and I deserve, Jesus says, I'll take. All the love that he deserves, Jesus gives to you and me. So our ushers are going to dismiss you. And this section can come here. And this section can come here. If you're online, you can receive communion. We're going to eat the bread anytime you want, but we're going to hold on to the cup and take it together. And while you're singing and while you're eating, I pray this, that you would just say that prayer again. Jesus, I receive your love. And take a breath and let him love you. Amen. Stand for the benediction. You're home. You belong. You've been brought near, not because of what you've done, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So would you take this communion with me? Brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of your sins. You're forgiven, you're loved, you're home, you're close. Pray, pray knowing you are resting in the Father's arms right now. He loves you, he adores you, you're his. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, y'all go outside, enjoy great food, sign up to help. We love you. Have a great day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.